As cities around the world adapt to rapid urbanization, attention to the health of urban populations is critical. ISUH Conversations is the only podcast focusing exclusively on the broad factors of urban health. We understand that the health challenges and opportunities in urban environments are complex. Our guests are urban health influencers who come from many sectors. If you are a researcher, educator, policymaker, practitioner, community leader, or urban health advocate, these conversations will resonate with you. In this podcast, Dr. Yannette Thomas, the Executive Director of ISUH, and I talk to these urban health influencers to capture their ideas and continue to advance the knowledge of urban health. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host. Let's meet our guest. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Yannette, uh, we're doing something uh, interesting on this show. We are going to have a pair of collaborators uh, have a conversation with us. I'd like you to meet uh, Dr. Jose Siri and Dana Thompson. Jose is a research fellow at the United Nations University International Institute for Global Health, and he's an executive committee member for the Urban Health Research Network in Latin America and the Caribbean. And Dana is a postgraduate researcher with the World Pop team at the University of Southampton and the senior analyst with the Flowminder Foundation. Welcome to the show, you two. Thank you. Thanks. Well, welcome, Dana and, and Jose. It's great to have you, um, two um, particular um, individuals who um, have great influence in the urban health space. So, Mark, I'm quite excited to have them both on this podcast interview. I have a question right off the top. I just need to know where the word world pop team came from. That's interesting. What does that mean? So world pop uh, refers to a global gridded population data set. It's a model data set of population in tiny little grid squares for all countries in the world. And how tiny is a grid square? The world pop grid squares are 100 meters by 100 meters at the equator and a little bit smaller as you get toward the poles. So they're about the size of a city block. Wow. Well, okay. So we do a whole show on that because I'm really interested in that kind of thing. As, and you must be as well. You're the uh, a researcher in that. And tell us uh, the focus of Flowminder. Flowminder also makes population data sets. Um, their specialty is working with mobile phone data aggregated to cell phone towers, and they model human mobility, whereas WorldPop tends to model human characteristics at a point in time. There's a data visualization I want to see. There. Right? Oh, yes, my indeed. gosh. Yannette yes. knows we're, we're both very yes. interested. Well, we all are. This organization is interested in data and, and me particularly in the visualization of that data. Uh, it's very interesting. Now, uh, Jose, your focus is in Latin America and the Caribbean, yet you're in, uh, tell us why you're in Kuala Lumpur now. So I, I'm with the, the uh, UNU International Institute for Global Health, and, and we really have a global focus. So Got it. Uh, got we it. have a regional set of projects in Latin America, uh, but we work all around the world. Oh, got it. Perfect. And yeah. tell us about this project that you're collaborating on together. Well, actually, Dan and I have a long history of, of collaboration. Uh, the current project is hers, but we actually met at an ISUH meeting um, a few years ago in, in DACA, International Conference for Urban Health. Um, and following that, she became involved with our Urban Thinkers Campus in Kuching, Malaysia, 
which was an effort that we made to uh, sort of consolidate what we know about health uh, or about the environment and how it affects health uh, as an input to the Habitat 3 process. Uh, so we got to know each other even better uh, when she came and participated in that. And so she has more recently invited me to uh, be involved in this most recent effort, which I'll let her talk about. Yeah, so following on to, we met up again at the last year's International Conference on Urban Health in 2017 and realized that there was a big gap between data scientists who are talking about remote sensing and satellite imagery and data decision makers like mayors and city planners who are asking for what I would call area level health determinants, data sets like where are the location of parks and green spaces, what is the traffic pattern like, and these are things that can be easily measured with satellite imagery and remote sensing, um, but we don't really produce data sets for urban health decision makers. And instead, urban health decision makers seem very tethered to aggregated household survey data and census data. It's a data set that has long been available and urban decision makers often are using these aggregated data sets, but there's so much other data that's out there now. And so this collaboration is interested in creating basically a menu of data sets that could be created that urban health decision makers are demanding um, and describing the feasibility of the different data sets in really practical, um, accessible terms. What I like about the fact that you guys collaborate is that um, what I hear is you met at urban health at the ISUH conferences. Because one of the things we're moving into is that frame of the an arc of around the conference where we engage um, urban health thinkers like yourself before the conference, you collaborate, you bring those ideas into the conference in panels and workshops and papers. And then post-conference, those develop into projects and papers, et cetera. And then we repeat the whole process again by the next conference and the next conference. So I'm particularly, um, Energize, which is one of the reasons that the, the, both of you are being interviewed together because I think you epitomize um, how we, we as ISUH want to frame our role as convener. Um, convener at the conferences, being a voice, um, creating advocates like yourself in the urban health space, and that lab where we then engage you around projects. And both of you know, know that I've talked with you about how do we create an, a, 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 an urban health scorecard and develop a process. Um, so this is truly exciting. And I'm hoping that this interview really stimulates our membership as they listen to you. I want to come back a little bit and ask you, first individually and second as collaborators, we see you as urban health influencers. And I want you to talk a little bit individually about how your work um, as an urban health influencer is significant in the ISCOH world. Who would like to go first? Jose, you're up. Yes. Sure. Uh, so I would say that, that we work uh, since I've been at UNU IGH in, in three basic spaces. Uh, and one of them is sort of understanding how complexity impacts health and, and how we can account for this better in, in research and practice. So anybody who's knows a lot of the, the issues that we face are pretty intractable. Uh, it seems like whatever you do to resolve them, they, they resist and, and you have unexpected uh, consequences popping up. 
And, and a lot of the time that's, that's driven by feedback loops that are unobserved and delayed uh, and across sectoral boundaries. So, so a big part of what we try and do is to use systems thinking to untangle those problems. Uh, and especially to help decision makers take basic uh, principles uh, um, as tools in, in their actions. So that's one space. The, the second space is understanding how the knowledge that we produce as researchers can be better linked to the decisions that affect health and cities. And that's really where I see Dana's project uh, falling in, uh, that's connecting the decision makers uh, to the data is, is a really important part of that. But there's more to it. It's also a question of, um, I mean, we all know that, that just because you have the right evidence, uh, because it exists, that doesn't mean the right decisions are going to get taken. So we also have to think about how that evidence is presented, how um, researchers are, are coupled to the decision-making process. And so that's another place that we work. Mm -hmm. uh, and the last, especially as a UN agency, is um, is trying to make sure that health, uh, and especially urban health, is recognized as a central theme in sustainable development and a unifying and integral theme. Um, and so for, for us, ISUH has provided a space to sort of do all of those things, and especially through the conference. Um, but I, I think that Yonet's point about extending that into an arc that would cover the whole year is, is a tremendously valuable uh, proposition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, brilliant. Dana, your, your take on this? Sure. Um, I, yeah, so I'm a household survey person with a background in geography and in public health. And I have been selecting household survey samples for academic projects um, and created a tool to do this called gridsample.org, which uses um, the gridded population data that I mentioned early, er, earlier as a sample frame to select household survey sampling units in low and middle income countries. And it sounds quite technical, but the impact is very simple. And that by using these gridded population data sets as a sample frame, we can ensure that the poorest and that mobile populations have an equal chance of being represented in our household surveys as settled middle-class residents. Mm -hmm. And our current household surveys, which rely on census data as a sample frame, sometimes can't do this. Mm -hmm. um, so I came into this as a survey practitioner, um, challenging some of the methods that we've been using for about 40 years and sometimes using outdated inaccurate census and recognizing that societies have changed substantially. We've got globalization, and mobility are two big issues that um, are not being accounted for in our current sampling methodologies today. And so creating methodologies that, that deal with this um, and putting out tools like gridsample.org that can support survey designers and survey implementers who are working in low and middle income country settings where survey data is such an essential data source um, that's being used to make you know, allocate billions of dollars worth of aid and make major government decisions about which health, which health areas will be priorities, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So talk about as collaborators now, you're influencing urban health in a very um, unique and important way. Um, tell us a little bit about how this collaboration can, can greatly influence the urban health space. I know you talked about it, um, generally, but let's zero in a little more specifically. What what's your hope? What's what's what what will come out of this in terms of urban health? Well, the one collaboration we're working on is is a small piece of a larger puzzle. Um, this is a paper that we'll be presenting at the International Conference on Urban Health this year in Kampala, and we hope will be published in the journal, um, and will help create some more common dialogue and understanding between health decision makers and data scientists working in urban areas. 
But by creating a menu of data sets that can be generated that are area level health determinants, the long-term vision I have is that we can start thinking about these data sets to map, really, map areas like slum boundaries. And slum is a, is a difficult thing to define, but generally speaking, we think of it as an informal settlement, a, a place where tenure is not secured, um, where infrastructure, government infrastructure is lacking, et cetera. And so by mapping some of these determinants of poor health in urban spaces, we, we take one step closer to being able to map slum boundaries, which is something that uh, people working in censuses and surveys, especially the 2020 round of, of censuses, are very keen to see. They want to see us break down our estimates of urban um, data by slum and non-slum areas. These are two very different populations and should be separated in the same way that we separate our urban and rural mm -hmm. estimates. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, anything to add on that, Jose? I wouldn't add too much on it. I, I think that Dana, what she said is exactly right, that this is a, a piece in a larger puzzle, but it's a very important piece, um, especially mm -hmm. to the extent that it allows us to develop data for uh, marginalized populations and for informal settlements uh, where you know we have a lot of data on, on urban health, but much less so in this context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent. Mark, you have a question? Yeah. the um, We were talking earlier about um, studying uh, phone data, mobile phone data. And it's uh, interesting that uh, these populations tend to have mobile phones. I mean, they may not have other things, but they all have phones, right? Is that is that fair to say or am I overstating that? Um, it's fair to say that uh, coverage of mobile phones is nearing 100% in many countries, even low and middle income countries. Um, some people, the, the distribution of cell phones across the population is not one-to-one. -one. Um, poor people have fewer phones than rich people. Fair enough. And that technology has changed. That's changed everything. So if you, you've been studying these censuses for, like you said, 40 years, uh, this is completely different now because we didn't have this penetration of technology and to be able to map all the kinds of things that you want to map. So I think that's going to affect a lot. And I'm thrilled to hear that. I want to go to the question of the menu of data sets because I'm thinking about this, um, the data decision makers, as you've called them, um, and the people who are, you know, this is just another thing they have to make a decision about. And I'm curious from a user experience point of view, how you're thinking about these really busy people in presenting this information to them so they can make a clearer decision quicker. And because I know it's all about, I understand this collaboration, but wow, data visualization is hard, as you know. And especially with um, this ease of use layer, what are the considerations you're doing in that regard? On, on my side, um, my focus is really narrow. It's, it's mostly on this the survey tool called gridsample.org. And so for me, that means making a very user-friendly interface and having an iterative development process that gets user feedback. Survey practitioners tell me what they need and we incorporate that into the website on a new, a new round of development. So we're doing another round of development this summer in Gridsample 2.0, which is an improved algorithm meeting more needs of survey practitioners will be available later this year. Um, but this is still very focused on the survey people as a, as a user group, and it's not necessarily the decision makers that you're thinking of. I think Jose's work actually takes that a step further to interact with 
mayors and, and people at a higher level. Yeah. So again, coming back to this, this idea of data and, and information and knowledge as one piece of the puzzle, I, I think that this project is more fo focused on, on identifying and providing that data. Uh, but for example, in, in some of the work that we do in Latin America, um, for example, we have a big project called Saluval or, or Salud Urbana in Latin in America Latina, which is urban health in Latin America. Uh, and it spans, I, I believe, a dozen countries and several hundred cities. Um, and one of the things that we're doing in that project and that I'm leading on is, is uh, knowledge to policy component. Uh, so this fall, we'll bring together uh, stakeholders from, from all sorts of different domains, including governance and private sector, NGOs, communities, um, and so on and so forth. And, and we want to get a sense um, of how different communities, how different communities and stakeholders source information, uh, how they use it, uh, in what, what formats it's most useful to them, how they process it once they've used it. And, and that kind of thing is, is how you get towards uh, incorporating research better into the decision-making process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Brilliant. You know, this makes me really think, this is why I like talking with both of you, and it's I cannot punctuate enough how beneficial it is to have you both on, on a podcast interview like this. Because as individuals on the cutting edge of global health innovation, urban health innovation, um, I see you as the exemplars of that arc that I talked about. Um, and you're, 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 you're living it. You, you met at a conference and you're, you're doing things before you're coming to the conference. This is the second and, and, and disseminating the ideas to the general membership population and then pursuing work after. What I want to um, push a little bit on here is how can we at ISUH work with you to advance this innovative um, approach that you're using, um, engaging you as partners, as collaborators, putting you on our website, identifying the work that you're doing together. Um, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. But what else are you thinking of? So I, I see a, a number of different possibilities for ISUH um, in, in the context we're doing or that I'm doing. Uh, certainly one of them is uh, promoting inter-transdisciplinary networks for urban mm -hmm. created LAC Urban Health because we, we saw a need for, for more exchange, especially among South-South uh, researchers, so, so researchers in the Global South. Um, we would love to have more engagement with ISUH through that network, but I think there's also a need for networks like that in Africa and in other places. Um, and so that's one way. Uh, I would love to see formal dedicated spaces for systems thinking, uh, for knowledge to policy work, both in the journal and, and at the conference, and I think there's some of that already. I think that one place that, that ISUH might find an interesting role uh, now is is in evaluating local actions that are be ta being taken to fulfill the SDGs um, because all of those affect health in one way or the other and uh, that, that's something that hasn't been done in a systematic way yet so perhaps through a case study series or some sort of initiative along those lines. Great. Dana? Um, my perspective is really limited as a researcher here but they were suggesting vehicles, you know, research funding, vehicles for collaboration. Um, I would actually pick up that point and and push that a little bit further. As a researcher, um, I find I find myself on teams a lot that don't have very good feedback from low and middle income countries, but are 
producing data sets or um, making recommendations that affect people in low and middle income countries. And one thing that I absolutely love about the International Conference on Urban Health is that it elevates voices from low and middle income countries. It elevates experts that I often don't get to hear when I'm practicing research. Mm -hmm. So I get to hear from mayors, from city planners, from health department heads, from activist groups. Um, these are all groups that I don't normally get to interact with as a researcher, and I'm able to actually meet those people and build collaborations with them as a result of the conference. And I'd love to be able to do something more with that. I'd love to be able to design new research projects and, and take them to fruition um, and have those research questions shaped in, in ways from people in the field and as a researcher be able to offer my skills. Um, but I'd be really love to see a shift in, in how research is done in complex urban settings and that the questions are actually defined by people who live in those settings mm -hmm. um, and are engaged throughout the whole research process. I really like that idea. And, and Jose, I know you have a question, but I just want to um, add at this point or hold point my collaboration with Mark and his company, Intro Networks, in developing the ISUH net. One of the goals is that members can enter that space and find um, engagement opportunities in collaborative networks and create. But we have to create the, um, what should I say, the feeder cells that 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 will then blossom and bloom these i'm thinking of bacteria a strange concept but it, it works um you know create these feeder nodes that then can um multiply so that is definitely a kernel idea that i would like to include and engage you around um many people we've had this is our our ninth podcast and um you know, many of the ideas that have come out of previous podcasts are being turned into, are being actualized as we speak into um, tangible opportunities for engagement. So I'm going to hold the two of you to that. Um, Jose, I know you were anxious to say something. No, I think that really you've covered uh, what I was going to say. I was just going to echo Dana that the, the ICUH has been the most important conference that I go to for, for a number of years. And in large part, it's because it does cross scales and sectors and geographies. And it's a place where you can make the kind of coalitions that you really have to have to address uh, complex urban health issues. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. On that note, I want to kind of switch a little bit because the reason for these podcasts are multifold, and one of the significant re reasons is to get engage our members and um, you know open the conversation, get people thinking more broadly. And so, my question to both of you, as individuals who have attended ISUH conferences and have collaborated as a result of being at ISUH conferences. Um, how should ISUH engage its membership to foster greater involvement and collaboration from your perspective? Dana? When I, when I think about this, I, um, I think back to my first international conference on urban health, which was in Belo Horizonte, Brazil in 2011. And the theme was governance. And it was, for me, one of the, still one of the, my favorite conferences I've ever been to. We had fabulous presentations by local people involved with government and designing new kinds of government that I've never been exposed to. So I feel like I learned a lot there. Um, but what I really liked about that conference and all of the International Conference on Urban Health is the excursions. So in this conference, we went to some local redevelopment projects. And of course, somebody from the conference, an organizer, told us what was happening kind of 
in a very formal way. And that was interesting in and of itself. But the most interesting part was all of the other participants on the trip from cities all around Africa and South Asia started sharing their experiences of redevelopment that of what was similar, what was different. And so we had this cross-country, cross-city comparison and this very informal organic dialogue and some really fantastic conversations and relationships were built very informally and organically on that excursion trip. Um, and I would love to, I love this practice-based learning and this kind of practical-based exchange. And so the excursions have always been a favorite part of the conference for me. And I think that, that that can be a real area for informal learning and network building. Excellent. Excellent. And as you all know, we depend on our hosts. The conferences are hosted in each country um, by the group in that country. And Waleska Kaifa at the time was on the board of ISUH. And so that was a very dynamic. She still is involved. So I will remind Waleska that um, that, conference is a signature conference and, and, and she needs to work with us to ensure that every conference after that measures up. <laughs> no pressure for her. <laughs> and yeah. Jose, your perspective? I should point out Valeska is also on our board here at UN. <laughs> um, well, I think that um, greater involvement is always going to depend on the value that, that ISUH provides to people. And, and I think there are different ways of, of increasing that value. One thing that I'd like to see, I've already said, is, is that I think that ISUH can promote activity and exchange in networks like LAC Urban Health and connect them to the society. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd really like to see ISUH engaging with funders and more inter and transdisciplinary uh, funding for, uh, for urban health research, uh, especially focused on urban inequities and on cities in the global south. And in parallel to that, uh, engaging with members to get them to apply for this kind of funding, of course. Um, I also think that there's uh, an important role for ISUH because urban health is so interdisciplinary uh, in reaching out to and collaborating with, with entities that are beyond the public health community. So there's so many other sectors whose actions and activities influence health. And, and I think it would be great if we had more of those kinds of people in the society and interacting at the meetings uh, and publishing in the journal and so on and so forth. Um, there's opportunities for, for example, for collaborative publications, special issues with organizations like the Planetary Health Alliance or uh, transport-oriented uh, organizations or green space-oriented organizations and so on and so forth. So I think that all of those kinds of things would add value uh, and sort of um, mm -hmm. foster uh, involvement. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much. This has been a remarkable interview. Um, Mark, um, any, any last comment? And yeah, I, I, have, I have quite a few, actually. Um, I, I love this, uh, the, again, the focus when we hear, you know, you know we hear this a lot, the transdisciplinary yes. nature, the collaboration, uh, the ISUH uh, collaboratorium that we are building is going to uh, allow us to do that meshing. So just so you know, what we've done is we've built this deep profiling tool that will uh, allow all the members to kind of weigh in on their interests. But what happens, there's this wonderful discovery thing that happens uh, in the matches that the system makes for you. And you can view them just on like, what do I have in common, but also geographically. So I might be looking for a collaborator in a particular country uh, that I have an interest in. And, and I'll say, oh, 
the map showed us that we have three or four things in common. That's a great way to build rapport with someone. As you know, organically, you're on that you sit, you know, you sit next to them on the bus on the way to one of the excursions, right? It's it's as simple as that. We'll be more deliberate and intentional about it. And with uh, going, staying on that line, uh, I think we've heard enough now, Yonette, that yes. the integration of the SDGs into yes. that profile mm-hmm. is going to be really important. Yes. So that we find where there's an affinity or a specific interest, and then we can start, you know, building, um, we call that network weaving. Network so, weaving, yes. Right, weaving those networks together. Yes. So yes. what's going to be important is that there's a, enough people in that network to make yes. that valuable. Yes. And then the other piece that's that again keeps coming up is this idea of partnerships. Yes. Right. And and reaching out uh, to the other. And I heard for the first time uh, in this call uh, with Jose, partner publications. We've thought of partner organizations. Right. But partner publications. publications. Yes. Um, it'll be great for us, Yonet, to have in the collaboratorium. Uh, an area for that that people can contribute to because it may be, you know, there's a particular journal that they uh, find very valuable that we should be paying attention to for all kinds of different reasons. So this has been, again, more nuggets, Yannette, for us. Yes, absolutely. And this ISUH Connect, I think, uh, Mark, our our idea and our building of this is is very strategic and um, can enable a lot of this engagement. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, I want to thank you both for taking time out of your busy schedule. They're both extremely fascinating. Yannette, really good idea to put them together. This yes. was, uh, we hadn't done this before. So I'm going to do more of these. This is yes. uh, very good. And thank you so much for being in our inaugural season of the, uh, the first batch of these interviews. It's, a, it's a, I know, a great way for especially um, uh, our, our younger members who are more uh, easily um, uh, adept at things like podcasts, uh, you know, and finding them, you know, it's it's a little easier and they can listen while they're exercising or out uh, uh, taking a walk out in their local. Or on an excursion. On an excursion. Exactly. So thank you very, very much. I really appreciate the opportunity and thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find more ISUH conversations on our website at isuh.org or subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Our website also features upcoming events and a members area where you can meet and collaborate with your peers.